Welcome to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me as always is Travis K. This podcast is not meant to replace meeting, sponsorship, step work, or service. This is meant to be just another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. All right, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mason S. I'm an addict. I'm with my co-host, TK. Yeah, yeah. And we're back for episode number five. We have the pleasure of talking with Miss Jackie J. Jackie J, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about y'all? We are doing great. We're so glad that you would join us on here. And uh, you want to start with your clean date and tell us where your home group's at? Uh, my clean day is 09-15-1988. And my home group right now is progress, not perfection. Give us a walk down of, of why Narcotics Anonymous became your preferred choice of recovery as far as your addiction goes well because it's all encompassing because i'm a generic addict uh I, I felt at home there i remember when i had two years and i invited my mother and my father to come for the first time to a celebration and i celebrated at a meeting called moon dogs in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know if anybody's been in Nashville. <laughs> okay, so somebody knows about Moondog. Well, in, Moon, in 1988, Moondog was one of the largest Narcotics Anonymous meetings in the United States, probably in the world. There'd be up to 200, 300 people in the meeting and another 100 plus in the parking lot. And when I had my birthday meeting, my celebration, and I brought my mother and father, and at the end of the meeting, my father said, Jackie, this is the way America is supposed to be like. Mm. I was. It was so inclusive. That it was in the air, and the love was in the air. And, you know, they just loved on me and celebrated with me, and it was palpable. Do you find yourself feeling more fortunate because you ended up being an addict and we got this program of recovery that allows us to look at ourselves and constantly how we can not only grow as individuals, but also how we can coexist with other people who are not like us? For sure. We have so many tools to be able to do that. I wasn't all that happy when I first walked in the door. <laughs> Crack brought me in. And I was, as we say, toe up from the floor. However, it was the first time ever, because I was born in 1950. So being of African origin uh, and being raised in the South, I wasn't even free till 1960, really 68, 69. Jim Crow laws were still in effect up until I was, uh, until I graduated from high school. So I'm saying that to say that I didn't feel welcome in a lot of places. And we're not just talking about on one side of town versus another, because I was of mixed descent 
I wasn't accepted in across on the other side. You know what I mean? So I get here to Narcotics Anonymous and people from all walks of life loving on me. It's a done deal. Y'all were very inclusive and I don't care whether you uh, may have been going through something that day. I could feel the inclusivity, you know, and some people would be like, and, and the rawness of it. I'm not feeling none of y'all. They would say that. I ain't feeling none of y'all right now, but I'm glad to be here. That kind of authenticity drew me to the rooms. You know, I didn't have to make excuses. I did not have to cover up. I didn't have to put on a, a uh, the face. I didn't have to dress a certain way. I didn't have to talk a certain way. That drew me in. Yeah, absolutely. So you were talking about the things that you went through back then. Did did it feel like, you know, it had an effect on how you were, how you felt about yourself as a person? Yeah, for sure. That was definitely a part of my work that I did. And I still do today because right now I'm living in Mobile, Alabama. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I I get incidents on a regular basis. But because I have processed it, you know, whenever I need to process it. So, in other words, once you begin to use these tools, in fact, I was um, in a meeting just recently and we were talking about the fifth step. And the fifth step. We we are going to get honest with our stuff, S-H-T-U-F-F. I'm in the habit of being conscious of that. So no one has the power to trigger me. You know, that fifth step is a way of life for me. So I done told myself, I done told on myself, to myself. You ever heard somebody say in a meeting, so I saw myself coming. You ever heard of that? That that's what we do. I saw myself coming. I see myself coming, and I divert myself. I said, no, you're not going there. That that is that's something you're powerless over, or uh, that's a flawed human being, and and they, who knows, you know what their story is. But I'm not going to hold them in contempt about that, etc. You know what I mean? I just, I love them, you know, just as I love some of my brothers and sisters that come in the rooms that think differently from me. So this is just not about what I practice in the rooms. This is everywhere I go. Took me a long time to feel actually free. Matter of fact, you know, it's interesting that when we get in the rooms and we start looking at our behaviors and and some of the triggers, I realized that I would act a certain way with this group of people versus acting, you know, over here in this neighborhood with a, you know, mm-hmm. with another set of morals. And it wasn't until I got in the rooms and worked steps and, and talked honestly about where I was in any given moment, was I aware that, and, and this wasn't just unique to me, because depending on what side of town I was, you'd see a different character. So and that's what we're talking about, mask. Yeah, wearing, wearing the mask. mask. Yeah. Start wearing the mask. Whatever the impetus, whatever the, mm. the, what started it, 
you know, because I remember as a child uh, seeing my father beat down in Iowa City, Iowa, by a group of uh, men. Uh, he was in college to get his uh, doctorate, and these Caucasian brothers, for whatever reason, beat him down. Now, all the children were in the car. Now, that's what we call today trauma. Now, back in the 50s, wasn't well, nobody processing that shit. You know, I felt a certain way, and uh, and you know what I mean? Wasn't nobody doing that? You know, and I, I swear my family never talked about it. We just went on business as usual. It didn't even occur to me that that might have been painful for me to watch. As a result, I had a, a I had a, an opinion of of uh, African American men. As a result of my father taking that ass whipping, and I had an opinion of Caucasian brothers, and and so I was afraid of them. I was afraid of them, and I did not. Uh, I did not look up to any men of color. You know, I get in recovery and and not only am I working these steps on paper, we work these steps in our lives, you know? And I realized my opinion. But, you know, when I say that, I, I, I pray that you're not hearing me down anybody. I'm I'm really focusing on how that affected me. And when I came in the rooms and everybody was loving on me. And I got a story to tell and I don't know if but I was coming to the rooms high for my for the first year before eighty eight, nineteen eighty seven, I was coming to the rooms high. And I really y'all, I don't I all I knew was that I was loved and I was included, and that feeling was so strong. Now, the feeling didn't come over me to go on and get drug free, but I, the, the atmosphere was so loving, I kept coming back. I had to end up going to treatment and go to long-term treatment in order to get clean. But the feeling was so addictive of being inclusive and and love on me where I'm at. You didn't have to say anything. I saw it in your eyes. Those very guys that look like those people in Iowa looked at me like, I am so glad you come home. And you know what that did? Those brothers taught me about the love of God. Now, if you can't... I don't know if anybody notices the the power of that, that these same cats that beat up on my dad and scared me to death and scared me all the way up until the time I came in the rooms were the very same cats that taught me about God. Because I didn't have a God. I wasn't raised in church. My people were very alienated. They were just really trying to Oh, they was just, you know, on like trying to, you know, accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. So I know God, y'all taught me about God. Anybody feel me here when I say that? Absolutely. I want to say, I think what you said is really important about 1987. We see it all the time where people make their way into the room while they're still using. And I think that's the most important thing that we can do is 
have an atmosphere of love inside that meeting that attracts them back because there will come a point if they live long enough that they will have had enough and they'll never forget the love that was shared with them through the rooms. Let's walk on into 1988. You get clean. What's the process like? Were you going to meetings every day? Did you instantly get a sponsor? When did step work start? All that kind of stuff. I won't say instantly, but uh, I got right in the middle of the boat after that year of effed up this. You know, once I, 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 I said, I can't do this. I can't seem to get clean. And somebody says, somebody told me, well, Jack, everybody can't get clean just by going to meetings. Some of us got to go to treatment, and I went to treatment. And you know how treatment is. They start you off on steps. They, I was a working musician. I was a road musician. They told me, you're going to have to get off the road. You can't do your music anymore. I said, y'all are crazy. And eventually I surrendered that. And that's a whole nother story. But uh, And I resentfully let that go, defiantly let it go. You know, I was like, well, then F it, God, then you take it, GD. I was cussing God as I was surrendering. So they had introduced me in the way. Uh, somebody fill me in here. Yeah, they were introducing me to me, those things that y'all were going to continue to uh, expose me to and drum into my spirit. Um, and so then I, I got that start in treatment. And then I became, you know, still to this day, and I'm a little offended, but really it might be one of those backhanded um, compliments that um, somebody just asked me to sponsor her in Nashville. I'm in Mobile. Anyway, I said, listen, I don't care what you call me. Just call me. You know, and I love doing the work. I love doing the work today. And she said, yeah, I saw, uh, she named this person's name. She said, yeah, I just saw her. And she was asking me, well, who's sponsoring you these days? And the girl said, Jackie J. And the woman responded, well, make sure you have your helmet on. <laughs> so I got a reputation. And, and, and the reputation is that I'm not going to blow no smoke up here, you know what. I, I, and I'm not, and I, what, but what I am going to do is love give you loving honesty to the best I love you enough to tell you the truth and the and so I'm saying that to say that all that y'all taught me in the beginning that's who I am today and I and frankly I don't I haven't done it on purpose but I have alienated some people in my blood family because my my lifestyle does not match up with them and I try my best to practice these principles in all my affairs and they still come to me today and say, Jackie, you remember you said you was going to start, start back smoking weed when you were 70. I said, I said that. <laughs> they said, yeah. And I was like, well, I changed my mind. That shit stink too bad. <laughs> yeah, man. I, who wants to do that? But what I, uh, the message is what, what I wanted to uh, 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 share with new and old folks, that those people that knew you when have not let go of who you were when and going to do everything they can because you was, it was just so much more comfortable for them than you are now because your, your spirit is shining so bright. You're being true to yourself. You're saying no inconveniently. They, they did not tell that. 
So, but irregardless, my life is so full. I, I have traveled all over the world in recovery. And I'm a U.S. I'm a U.S. veteran. So I traveled all over the world in the Army. By any means necessary, I'm going to travel. <laughs> That's why me and my brother, we got effed up and said, I dare you to join the Army because we couldn't figure out what other kind of doo-doo to get into in Nashville. <laughs> so we end up joining up the Army. So I'm saying that I've traveled all over the world before recovery and after recovery. We are everywhere. And I am welcomed everywhere. I've been in meetings. I don't know how this happened, but I've been in meetings. Nobody talked English. I could not speak their language. I didn't know what they were saying. But some kind of way, I opened my mouth, started talking. They were cracking up. You know, so the spirit of inclusivity is is just so powerful in this fellowship. Yeah, I think what you said just a minute ago was pretty important, too. You talked about. I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass, but I'm going to be honest with you. You know, for me personally, I think that one of the most loving things that you can do for a person is tell the truth. And see, we miss out on that a lot. Um, trying to be your best friend all the time doesn't, you know, sometimes I'm looking past some things that I may be going behind your back and going, I really wish they didn't do that, but I didn't have the guts to tell you to your face. Exactly. And then you got to hold it up until um, hold it in. And feel uncomfortable because you know you weren't being true to yourself, you know. And my ethics may not be your ethics, but the bottom line is that the the steps and the traditions and how we practice those in the rooms, and then we take that on the road with us everywhere we go in whatever circle we're in. Everywhere I go, I'm getting the message that 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 I'm being respected. Not necessarily because I follow along with their morals, not just because, you know, I'm a, uh, uh, I practice the same uh, religion they do, not because I voted for the same person that they voted for, but because they can tell. I got character. And I got a set of morals that I follow to the best of my ability. And so I know how to give myself grace when I might miss a beat. So I know how to give you grace. And that's all due to this program. 100%. So Jackie, tell us about sponsorship and what that was like. You know, I always direct people to the IP because I have uh, not just have daddy issues, but I've got mother issues. And... Some of us get into the relationship thinking we're getting ready to get parented. I went through some people who were control freaks. I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I'm just saying, you will call me for 30 days. You will do this. You will do that. That didn't fly with me. The woman that I got when I got out of that treatment center and uh, kept seeing this woman speaking authentically, about her struggles and which tools she picked up on to to get to the other side of it. That's the woman I've, I'm still with today, 34 years later. Sometimes, even today, she'll trip up on a word or a thought or an idea, and I'm like, uh, Diane, do I need to call you back? <laughs> you know, and so, in other words, 
this woman taught me basically not just by the tools of the program, but by her continuing to come back and practicing this stuff, that she's human and that she's beautifully human. And that taught me to accept my humanness. And so the way I sponsor is the same way. You know, like, what, what, what's the cat that eats the spinach? Popeye. I am what I am. I'm just doing the best I can. I still work these tools every year on my clean day in September. It does happen. I, I just think I'm just so proud of this that uh, my birthday is the same month as recovery month. I feel a little special about that. <laughs> And every September I go to Nashville and I go stay at my sponsor's house. I'm not just in love with her, I'm in love with her husband too. He'll grill me on some stuff. You know, I'm like, damn, can me and my sponsor get some time, Mike? Man, damn. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I'm there for a week, five days to a week. And we sit down and we go over that year, you know, but she knows because I still call my sponsor on a, a consistent basis. And we just kind of go over the year and and uh, pull out some some stuff, tools. And uh, I may have done some writing before I got to Nashville. And we'll go over that. I still do my work today. And I, I love her. I love her so much. She's so human. She's not. Uh, she's not the deepest thing in the world, but neither am I. I didn't judge. I didn't choose her to be in my life because she was so deep and wonderful. That's something I heard one of us say. <laughs> but I chose her because she gives her own self grace. So the IP, I've had several. I'm going to tell this story real quick. I've got a sponsee that uh, I have worked with since 2014. I was moving out of Nashville, and she reached out to me and needed a sponsor. She's got five years more than me, but I don't know what it was. She kept having problems. I know what it is now, but, I, well, I have a suspicion. Uh, but she could not keep a sponsor. And, you know, I did what I do. I'm like, listen, I don't care what you call me, just call me. And we'll work it out, and while you're, we're doing that. You continue to keep your eyes open for a sponsor. Twice since 2014, she has brought up the topic of us being friends. Now, I don't know if this is hardcore for y'all, but I ain't trying to be a sponsor's friend. If I'm your friend, I'm not going to be able to call you on your shit like I really need to do. So, and the first time I was patient. I don't, I don't see why we can't be friends. Uh, dear heart, I know you've read that IP. You don't see nothing in there about no friendship. It has said, you know, we grow, we create this bond. I've got a sponsee this 32 years. We've been in and out of our election because she fired me every other year. <laughs> uh, I don't give a damn what she calls me. She calls me. Right now she's gotten her second diagnosis of cancer. And medically speaking, they have given her three months to live. We still talk on a weekly basis. 
you know, this ain't the time to do no step work. I like we're going to do some step work on cancer. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we're going to get creative with it. And we're going to talk about those principles as it applies to the situation she's in. So getting back to that other sponsee who by the second time came back, i say about five to seven years later saying, I just want you to lighten up a little bit and be my friend. The second time she came to me, I wasn't as nice as I was the first time. <laughs> the second time she came to me, I said, I'm not here to be your friend. You know, we can hang out. Who knows? We might turn into spiritual sisters. Who knows? Bottom line, I got a job to do. You want to get a buddy? Then go into some social circles and, you know, find you your crew. But I'm not the one. I think it's important that we have many different styles of sponsorship. We need that because we are a diverse fellowship and we need exactly we need many different styles and and the style that you present as a sponsor is exactly what your sponsees need the ones that stick with you and the ones that don't they can go find somebody else that has a style that fits them and that's okay you know yeah well i always direct them back to the literature if you see that word in there then we'll talk about that further but i don't see the word friend in there Obviously, if you've been with somebody for 30 plus years, it's going to look like that. But my sister and I know, I, I, I'll call her a spiritual sister, the one that's been diagnosed with cancer twice. I Once I got that situation, had that situation, and I, I called my sponsees after the second time this girl confronted me about my inability to be a friend of hers. Every one of my sponsees I called them. Said, uh, "Am I your friend?" <laughs> and they were like, "Hell no, no, ma'am." So you know, I, I I love the literature, and can it, can I just give a shout out? Let's and go. look, yeah. Narcotics Anonymous is doing the damn thing when it comes to literature. I'm so excited about the stuff they come up with. It's just, oh my god, I get excited. I you know the spiritual principles. Uh, I read that every day. Um, I don't have them in my face, but, um, and I like to say, I did drugs when drugs were real. So some of my memories never came back. I think something that's great that we need to talk about is, you know, you talked about having 34 years now and you're still involved in doing the things that you were doing back in 88 when you first got clean. And I know over those 34 years, you've seen many people um, that have come in and out of the rooms and some of them are still clean, but they, you know, the participation kind of falls off. And what do you think the benefits of staying involved for 34 years have been? I'm relevant. I'm current. I'm present. There are a lot of newcomers coming in like this. Jackie, how you, how would you say you were? That's because I'm still doing my work. That's why I'm still relevant, you know? And I don't tell stories like, you know, yes, my grandchildren are doing that. No, I'm talking about I damn near laid hands on this man. <laughs> you know, uh, I had a Caucasian brother come. I'm in Mobile, Alabama. I don't know where y'all at. 
I, I mean, I, I wasn't feeling violent, but they can't come up to me and say, if y'all been around any African-American women, you know, we do get ornamental. We, I mean, we're adding everything. Every, okay. We're every, okay. So he comes to me and says, he says, that's your hair. And that day I was wearing my hair. And I said, I was so taken back. I said, uh, yeah. He said, well, you don't need to be wearing all that extra hair and all that wig. Oh, I was speechless. I couldn't even say anything. But I swear I must have carried that dog on resentment for about four months. And and look, I can't even I can't even speak to him. I mean, I can say hi, how are you doing, and keep it moving real fast. <laughs> but I'm not really, I'm not really ready. So no, I didn't feel like laying my hands on. But I wanted to cuss his ass out. I wanted to teach him something. I thought it was a teachable moment anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I missed it. So um, I don't know if that had, if y'all can connect the dots, but shit continues to happen. And I continue to reach in my bag and, and get me a, 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 a principle or two. To keep me grounded and and continue not only to give other people grace or give me grace or vice versa. You know, and, and I and I think the newcomers can feel that. They can feel my excitement. That's another thing. I ain't gonna tell you the story about how I got in the room because I got a story from last week. You know? So Excellent. yeah, man. So, and he said, well, how much time you got, Miss Jackie? I came in in 88. He said, she, and they're like, and you still get excited about this? Yes, ma'am, I do, because I see miracles in my life today. So, no, you don't have to worry about me coming in, uh, you know, telling a story about, you know, all the good drugs I did and dealt and all the, you know, uh, shenanigans. I can tell you about some things that happened last week, you know, and, and that keeps me relevant and, and I get excited. And that's another thing I think too, y'all, that I'm so excited about this life. Even today, you're not going to see somebody ain't been in the rooms for X amount of time and not see folks coming in the rooms now. You know what I mean? If they don't know, if they haven't been exposed to that, then, you know, they they just kind of same shit, same day kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's in, uh, important that, you know, we continue to show up and we, and we be there for that newcomer. But, you know, to those people who find themselves uh, distancing themselves from the fellowship after many years clean, what they're missing out on is that reward of giving it away. I owe. In a bottom line, I don't give a damn how many grandchildren, you know, I don't give a damn. I might not be able to do all those things that, you know, serving on the, uh, you know, going to a different part of the country to talk about worldly issues regarding narcotics anonymous. I may not be able to get to every convention, but I'm going to show up at my home group and I'm going to share the hope shot. 
that if I can do it, anybody can do it because I owe an A. Bottom line. Jackie, we're so grateful that you came on here and shared your experience, strength, and hope with us. Y'all be sure to catch us next week for episode number six. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on our Living Clean podcast. This is another platform that we can share our message of recovery, which is an addict, any addict, can stop using drugs, lose a desire to use, and find a new way to live. Join that no matter what club. You can contact us through text. The number is 931 306 9364.